Welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. My name is Alejandro Pinero, your host, and yet another week with a great guest here. I'm joined by Christian Toivo. He's the executive director of TIP, the Telecom Infra Project, and we have a lot to talk about. So, Christian, Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I know things are, are crazy, to say the least, over there at TIP lately. Thank you, Alejandro. It's a pleasure. Well, Christian, I think we've we've been hearing a lot about, of course, open uh, ecosystems, networks, and, and I'm excited to talk to you about all that. But before we get into the, the depths of that discussion, I wanted to give you an, a chance to introduce a bit of TIP, uh, what you guys are, are up to over there. And, and I think, hopefully, it comes through in the discussion. But there's a lot more than just open RAM. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting projects going on within TIP. So it'd be great to hear a little bit about uh, what's going on. Absolutely, no, it will be my pleasure to share an update on where we are. Wonderful. So yeah, Christian, just can you tell us a little bit about about TIP as an organization and and perhaps what your your key objectives are to to give us a little bit of context. Yeah, and maybe maybe actually Alejandro, I start with a few words about myself because uh, it kind of Absolutely. leads to why I am so happy and proud to be at TIP at this moment, which I find is one of the most exciting moments in the industry, actually. So I've been around for a while, more than 30 years to be exact in this industry. And more or less exactly half of that time, I've been involved with product development. And the other half, I've been involved with uh, product management, uh, um, sales and uh, customer customer dimension, various type of uh, initiatives. And out of those years, uh, a large majority was spent with Ericsson. But I feel somehow that since I left Ericsson by end of 2016, I've learned so much and there's been so many new things coming up while at the same time I've obviously been able to use that what I learned from working in that great company. So basically I've had the time in between uh, the Ericsson period and this current job, which I, by the way, started 1st of June this year, uh, worked for a while in a small company in TV and media. Uh, I worked uh, uh, in strategy consulting through my own small company, and I worked more than two years with the system integrator, very much involved with cloud transformation, which, by the way, is one of the key disruptors and enablers of a transformation in the telecommunications industry as well. So... I was um, given the opportunity to join TIP. It took some time before I, I managed to, to get started. But when I got started, boy, it was exciting. And I kind of found a new world. First of all, I, of course, through my earlier work, was um, I was aware of what the drive towards openness and desegregation uh, meant. Uh, but obviously now in the last months when I began to engage with the TIP team and the community, it has become far more clear to me why this is important and why I certainly believe this is going to have a significant impact on the industry, all for the better. So open and desegregated solutions, which is what TIP works with, means basically two things. Um, it means that we provide open interfaces in the products that are deployed to enable connectivity. And disaggregation means that we make a clear separation between the underlying hardware 
and the software with which then the functionality is being implemented and, and deployed. And this has a number of benefits. First of all, it enables us in the industry to, en- to enjoy uh, far more possibilities to innovate as uh, openness enables more companies and more smart people to get involved developing uh, the solutions that we need. Secondly, it gives a promise of increased efficiency through basically more players being focusing on their specific domains and taking also advantage of uh, the development in other industries, particularly when we talk about um, underlying hardware and compute platforms, which in this disaggregated world uh, means we are striving to use commercial off-the-shelf platforms, which are being developed and and the R&D of which is being driven as much as from the telecommunications needs, also from the increasing IT and cloud computing needs. So all in all, that means that we will significantly get more engineering power into developing solutions. So that's kind of the background why it's so important <clears throat> to drive forward with this openness and disaggregation. TIP in itself is an interesting uh, entity. It's a non-profit organization and it exists basically to drive a community. So it's a community-based approach. And this matches very much with some of my learnings over the 30 plus years I've been in this industry. I believe very much in that working together as teams, particularly when you tackle complex matters, gives much more possibilities to create new solutions. And when we talk about the TIP community, we talk about several hundred members uh, that go from small startups to large IT companies, hardware uh, and compute uh, platform providers, and to obviously operators, large and small, and uh, that community is continuously growing. And the power of TIP is to bring this community together on very specific tasks that we address, and we address those tasks through project groups where we always involve the beneficiaries of the work that is being done, which typically, but not always, are the operators. Sometimes they can also be uh, alternative (coughs) providers of services, or in case of some of the solutions that we worked with, they can actually be connected cities and councils that might benefit from this. And then we have obviously the vendors, the vendor community that is associated with the area that is being addressed in the project. And together, these project groups work on developing solutions, verifying those solutions and bringing them to market. I do want to point out that TIP is not the standards organizations. You should see TIP as being the community that following that standards have been agreed, works on ensuring that standards-based solutions, for example, based on ORAN Alliance solutions in the case of Open RAN, um, are developed in alignment with the roadmap that uh, it's matching what the main operators are defining that their needs are and what the vendor community is able to align in terms of availability in time. And then we work on making sure that those solutions get specified, developed, validated, and made available to be brought to the market. And we have at this stage a number of projects uh, ongoing 
um, between 10 and 20. Um, some of them are small, some of them are large, that, of course, associated particularly with Open RAN. Uh, in the six years that TIP has <clears throat> been operating, we have run through a number of these projects. We have actually got more than 60 products that have been published as results of this. They, we have a website, the so-called TIP Exchange, on which we then publish the results of our work and also make available the information about the products and solutions that have been developed and verified through the process and hence the broader community in terms of operators and other potential uh, users of these solutions can then uh, find the right products to, to use for their needs and it will just increase we are just in the process of accelerating and, and doing even more great so yeah as i was saying in the introduction you guys are busy to say the least i think based on that and um and I think that uh, it's it's important the note you make that this is a community and and I think that goes into the heart of open ecosystems and disaggregation. It has to be a, yes. a community effort and it needs to have that meeting point. And Christian, I, I wanted to open the discussion here specifically with with Open Run. Now I am you know I can't match your thirty years in the industry. I have a, a few less, but I have to say I I I don't think I've seen such excitement over. So a potential, you know, change in how networks are built and, and run and, and put together. So we we here at Fierce just had our, our second annual Open RAN uh, Summit, uh, which uh, we were fortunate enough to, to have Tip participating in. And one of our panelists said that, you know, Open RAN was a marathon, not a sprint, right? There's the, it's going to be a process in, in getting these networks rolled out and, and delivered. So I wondered... Kristen, if you could shed a bit of, of light or, or your opinion on where we are on this uh, adoption curve of, of Open RAN um, and perhaps what some basic timelines might be that you guys are, are thinking about as you talk to the community about where we are in deployments. Yes, Alejandro, that's a very great question to ask. Of course, not so easy <clears throat> to answer, but <laughs> interestingly, I have actually answered that question numerous times this week. I'm currently in Washington, D.C., and I've been meeting with uh, various stakeholders, particularly on the on the regulatory and government side in the United States, and um, I have been asked that question. And uh, I would try to answer it in the same way for the benefit of this podcast. And I would start by confirming what you actually said yourself, that this is a marathon. And it's a marathon because of the nature of what we in this industry are doing. In this industry, we typically build solutions that are meant to be deployed and operated over a longer period of time uh, for several reasons. One of the reasons is obviously that it's a capital-intensive industry. And once you install particular radio networks, it's a major effort. You tie up capital and you need to depreciate uh, those solutions. So typically, uh, radio cell sites have a depreciation period of five to seven years, depending on the operator, which means there is no financial possibility to to replace anything that was just deployed in a short period, unless there is a really compelling reason or, or, or problems that have to be addressed. And, and the other reason why <clears throat> we need to understand the nature of this industry being particular is that uh, we talk about very complex global machinery, uh, which means that anything 
that goes out into those networks needs to be tested, validated, and also uh, made sure that it kind of fits to a constantly changing environment from operation support systems to applications and uh, and interfaces to other systems and even other networks that we constantly have to interact with. And this means that uh, any new breakthrough technology or transform transformational solution needs to kind of consider these aspects and obviously many more aspects um, in order to be fully absorbed and deployed. And I would say right now we are at a situation, and this has been my constant answer, where the technology of Open RAN has been proven. We have been contributing to that through TIP. We've run and been participating in more than 30 trials of various kind where Open RAN has been tested with operators of different nature in different regions with different product combinations. And many of those trials are, are still ongoing. Um, and my personal view is that we are ready to move into commercial deployment. Now that will take some time and and some some of us might become frustrated that why it takes a, such a long time, but it takes such a long time because of the reasons I just mentioned that uh, there is, except for some greenfield new operator uh, deployments that are ongoing in the existing networks of the established operators, we have this aforementioned limitations that mean that there needs to be careful planning and identification in terms of where the commercial deployment opportunities really are. And hence, I would say that uh, within the next 12 to 18 months, we will see an increasing amount of uh, trials that actually move into commercial or pre-commercial deployment, and the pre-commercial meaning limited areas, <coughs> limited um, um, geographical uh, regions where deployment is done in a way that we also can get a full experience and validation of not just the technology itself, <clears throat> which is proven to work, but how it interacts and fits with the rest of the network. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I think it's this is very important, and it's very important to have a bit of patience because in the nature of what we are doing, in, in, in networks and mobile cellular networks in particular, uh, we also need the feedback loop from these first deployments to enable us to go back into the products and solutions for refinements and plans and establishing plans for how we evolve uh, those products. And I would say the next 12 to 18 months, in my mind, are very much associated with mm -hmm. starting to get scale and obviously, assuming that we are not encountering any significant new uh, topics that need more time to address, I would say that beyond that initial time scale, we will then see more accelerating deployments. And particularly then considering those aforementioned uh, uh, financial, uh, call it um, limitations or, 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 or border lines, we obviously over the years will then see an increasing share of open run to be deployed. And obviously there's regularly <clears throat> market assessments being published by the distinguished colleagues in the analyst um, profession. And um, we can all read for different optimistic or less optimistic, but there seems to be a fairly good consensus that within the next <clears throat> three, four years, mm -hmm. we will see open run taking a 
significant share of shipments of uh, mobile uh, brand solutions. And it's significant, I mean, anything between 10 10 and 20%. Yeah, I think that there's a bit of a double standard happening in that, uh, you know, for those of us that (coughs) cover the telecoms industry and I'm sure for for you know executives like yourself, Christian, uh, have all the experience in this sector. Things don't happen to, ten, to the, things don't tend to happen very quickly, uh, right? The, the adoption yeah. cycle is not uh, <clears throat> quick because of the issues that you mentioned. Of course, there are large investments, <laughs> deployments, um, and inevitably these things take time. Uh, and I feel that uh, Open RAN is one that. Uh, Perhaps the, the expectations were unfair from, from the beginning. But let me let me shift the, the question a little bit as well, because I wanted to ask about the, that vendor pool that, that you you know you talked about in terms of the membership of TIP. And you know, I think one of the key uh, selling points perhaps is I don't know if that's the right term, but one of the key attributes of openness in the RAN is that you can bring in a whole new pool or at least enlarge the pool. The vendors that that go into building these networks, um, and yet we do see a lot of the same names come up, right? We we still see a lot of the same OEMs and, and sort of tier one vendors taking those those very uh, you know frontline roles in in trials and even some early deployments when it comes to open RAN. So I wanted to give you the chance to to comment because I'm sure there's a, a way to to talk about that that. Uh, the the vendor pool and and it's uh, how it's going to scale as we as open ran matures in terms of deployments what's the position there are we going to see see the same vendors coming about or is there really a, a whole new ecosystem there waiting to get involved or already getting involved yeah and that's uh, Alejandro, a really good question i actually had been asked that question as well this week <laughs> all right i'll come up with <laughs> so... an original one at some point i, I think <laughs> uh, but i would it's, it's, a, it's a good observation you make, and uh, obviously time will tell. Uh, this is a market, and um, a market where not everything neither can nor should be planted or, or steered. And uh, that means, of course, that ultimately there might be conclusions and, and directions the market takes that we don't foresee right now. Um, to the extent um, I'm aware of, of let's say, contracts that have been published and, and deployments that have been started, I would say that it is definitely a fact that right now uh, various large vendors, uh, most of them actually that we know from this industry from, from, from a longer period back, are, are seen and, and particularly published as being in a leading role going forward. And, and I think it's actually quite natural for, for two reasons. Uh, I think in this early deployments of open RAN, uh, there's two aspects that need particular attention. One of them is to ensure that in order to be able to do a commercial deployment in, in larger networks, there is a particular need on the portfolio of uh, radio units that cover the various type of configurations you need and also the the frequency bands that you need to address to be able to holistically serve in a in a macro-based um, cellular network, and that means that as the ecosystem is still evolving, there is a limited amount of vendors that have the scale and also the full supply supply chain that enables to deliver, let's say, 
commercial grade portfolio of radio units. So that is something that I would think will evolve over the time because also in our membership in TIP, we have many smaller lenders uh, that uh, of radio units particularly who are developing either very specific uh, technologies for, for certain applications or actually quite complete uh, portfolios that they will publish step by step. Uh, so I, I do foresee that <clears throat> that topic uh, will, and that area will see a diversification over time. The other area <clears throat> which kind of at, at the short term favors larger vendors is that as this is a new um, and fairly um, high attention domain when everybody is watching regarding the success of the deployments, uh, a big portion of the work that has to be done relates to to, to system integration. And uh, in this current uh, situation, it's typically rather large companies that have the bandwidth and the capability to take on that task. So we have seen in some of the published uh, uh, the early deployments where actually some of those radio vendors are also taking a system integrated role. But admittedly, the large operators who are now involved in these early deployments take a very active role themselves because they also want to see how the overall system integration role definition evolves as Open RAN becomes more mature. So I think that is the reason, or those are the reasons why I think we see that type of uh, uh, visibility. Fact, fact is, however, that uh, even behind uh, these larger vendors that are often published as being the main providers in these um, initial deployments, there are other players, many from our membership are part of those in, in smaller, limited, specific roles. And uh, I don't see any reason that this ecosystem would not continue to evolve towards a more diversified supplier base. Uh, there's one area that I'm particularly excited about, where over time, I would believe we see actually completely new players joining this ecosystem, and that is related to the, the RIC, which is the, mm -hmm. the RAM Intelligent Controller Platform, and those famous XAPs and RAPs that uh, are being developed. It's very early days, but actually when I've been here in the US, I've also met with companies that are involved in early development and, and uh, trialing of the RIC and what actually can be achieved by using the open interfaces that the RIC provides both to developers of those applications and the interfaces through which one can operate on the radio uh, network and its configurations. And I think that's very promising early indications. And in that sense, I believe there is a space for a number of players, even maybe outside of our direct uh, uh, telecommunications community that can provide, particularly when AI uh, is brought to play. So I'm very hopeful that this ecosystem will continue to evolve. Brilliant. And, and I I wanted to ask you one more question, Open RAM, before we, we move on to everything yep. else happening, which is around those, where you see potential applications. Um, so obviously, we've heard a lot about Brownfield 
deployments and we've talked about these these few greenfield uh cases with new uh, entries into the market but you know i've even read about enter open run for enterprise and, and different sort of use cases that perhaps aren't um you know the, the first that we think about when we we think of open run so where do you see this evolving towards uh, where, what are you excited about when you think about different use cases for open run yeah no, I think you mentioned a few of them yourself. I think particularly in when we move in the short, shorter term, I would say particularly the enterprise um, connectivity environment, which we often associated with private networks, but I would kind of expand it to be a bit broader. Uh, I would see Open RAN as being a platform and enabler for developing uh, enterprise applications that have a more direct uh, connection with the underlying connectivity platform by usage of the fact that Open RAN is open, uh, with open APIs. It enables, uh, at least um, as we move forward, to use, let's say, the compute platforms that we, we provide for some of the functionalities of the, of the RAN to be used also for either hosting or or driving a particular uh, interfaces towards enterprise applications. And the before-mentioned RIC uh, would also provide an opportunity to, for a feedback loop, if you like, uh, uh, to the applications and from the applications back to the connectivity. And I think that's an area that is uh, only started to be explored, but I do believe that is, uh, it's definitely an area where we will see the benefits of uh, Open RAN eventually providing something that is not so easy to provide with the current um, platforms for RAN. Mm -hmm. And to spin further with that, an area which is fairly in, uh, exciting also for us in TIP is we are just in the process of kicking off a project. We actually decided upon it in our board uh, this week uh, to work on metaverse-ready networks, which one could see as, you know, the next phase of those applications, obviously not only for enterprises, but also addressing addressing uh, consumer needs. And I think those applications, as we can foresee, uh, looking at some of the members in the broader metaverse community, which is kind of looking at uh, the type of applications and um, you can say standards that are used, will be used for, for uh, uh, developing those applications. You see interesting names from IKEA <laughs> onwards, uh, where you can imagine that we will see applications that enable us to do virtual shopping and, and, and various type of such use cases. And obviously, when those applications then are interfaced through the metaverse readiness to the underlying connectivity platforms, uh, which hopefully by that time are in increasingly amount open, brand-based. I think we can see a lot of exciting opportunities that, that evolve. And I think that's really where I think the a fork in the road will actually appear in, in a couple of years' time. That's great. And yeah, we certainly heard a lot about Metaverse, so um, it doesn't surprise me that it's uh, in your radar at all. Um, Christian, now, this is funny because I, I was actually talking to a colleague um, this week about how we were going to be speaking and and in doing research uh, about what TIP was doing and, and reading about open ecosystems that said, you know, we need to stop thinking about open RAN and think more about open everything, uh, which is maybe 
not a great testament to the fact that I made you talk exclusively about Open Run for half an hour, but um, I did want to to give you the chance to to tell us a little bit about other things. I mean, you know, I, I've read about your your open um, uh, packet and transport, uh, you know, open Wi-Fi, so many different initiatives that are happening that really look at and from from my understanding really an end-to-end -end open ecosystem for uh, cellular and, uh, networks and, and basically just about every function in, in, uh, that we, we can think of uh, when we look at these networks. So, you know, what if you had to highlight, uh, you know, a couple of those here for, for our listeners to watch out uh, for in the next few months or, or, or think about as they plan out their their network strategies what what would you leave them with uh, beyond the open run issue which i mean you know we uh, we're very excited about obviously as as for this conversation yeah 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 and the excitement is and, and you know open run is the is the big big topic but you're absolutely right uh, i think we need to look at this holistically and i might uh, touch upon a couple of things that come to my mind first one i would logically link as a continuation of our open RAN discussion, and that is our open optical and packet transport uh, domain, where we actually have come quite far. Uh, the reason why it is important is that as much as we talk about that we need to kind of boost the RAN by making it open and disaggregated and, and prepared for all those wonderful applications we just talked about, if there's one thing that is, is sure, is that at the same time, the demands for the transport layer, is go they are going to increase correspondingly because the more exciting things we do on the access side, all that data will, will be transported and the, the, the connectivity between the cell sites and the rest of the network and the internet needs to be, be there. And we have, in fact, uh, had great successes in some of the work that has been done. To mention one is uh, the open cell site gateways, which is a solution or a product portfolio that has evolved from TIP's work to the extent that uh, a significant percentage of cell-side gateways that are now being shipped are being shipped as open uh, products and by vendors that have actually developed their solutions and brought them to market in conjunction with running through the TIP process. And there's <coughs> continued exciting work being done, particularly on the optical side, to enable uh, transponders to enhance the capacity of already installed um, optical networks to be done in an open fashion, which kind of increases also the vendor uh, diversity and innovation speed in that space. So I think that is super important, never to forget. And once somebody like myself who is excited about radio, sometimes I have to remind myself that you need to transport those bits and you need... <clears throat> you need a transport layer and backhaul and all those things, which we sometimes take for granted. Another area is open Wi-Fi. For sure, it's a bit of a different beast. We are all used to Wi-Fi being something that is, you know, our way of connecting at home or in hotels like myself right now in Washington, D.C. But there is also an increasing usage of Wi-Fi, both in 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 emerging markets. Uh, we have had projects in, in, in Africa. We are working on significant uh, deployments in India, which are all resulted, resulting from uh, TIP 
projects that have led to that an open Wi-Fi solution enables again more more uh, diversity and flexibility and innovation in deploying uh, the solutions and avoiding a kind of a locked locked in situation where it's difficult to upgrade and evolve once you started deploying. But I also see an increasing need to, to kind of uh, create uh, new solutions also in more developed uh, markets based on Wi-Fi. And the before mentioned metaverse uh, will be consumed, at least in the early days, very much at home by us as consumers over Wi-Fi. So hence there is work to be done, for example, how we can improve the configurability and uh, manageability of the Wi-Fi a part of the network when an end-to-end performance or quality of experience for metaverse applications is to be ensured. And that definitely is uh, something where this open and disaggregated approach will enable the right solutions to be developed. And maybe last but least, we also work on something which is like a neutral host approach where we are developing in some markets with some new vendors and even new parties from the financial community looking at how we can develop new business models that enables provision of uh, connectivity particularly in areas where maybe single operators are not able to justify the investments and there might be a role and that has been demonstrated in some of the early trials of uh, separate uh, entities that take the role of managing in a neutral fashion uh, the service that then the customers of different operators can use on an equal basis. And that's an area that I believe there's much more to come as well. So those are a few that I wanted to highlight. Brilliant, Kristen. Well, you know, I think we could spend a, a long time speaking. I say that to a lot of our guests, but that's just because we, we keep, um, you know, hearing about all these interesting things. So we'll, we'll leave it here. But Christian, thank you so much for, for joining us. I think it's been enlightening to hear your thoughts on how Open RAN is evolving. What does open and disaggregated mean? You know, what what we can look forward to um, in terms of open ecosystems. And, and I think there's a lot to, to think about there. And, and for our listeners, of course, there's a lot of resources on the TIP website and, and in other um, you know, locations to read about these open um Really, a, truly a revolution of how we're, we're thinking about networks. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely fascinating to, to hear your thoughts on these topics. Thank you, Alejandro. And, and the journey has only begun. <laughs> Lovely. Well, listeners, we'll leave you with that. The journey has just behind, begun. Um, if you want to continue to hear how we, uh, how we get on in that journey, uh, I hope you can join us for our upcoming episodes. And, and Christian, hopefully we can have you again. Until then, thank you all for joining us. And until next week, take care. You've been listening to The Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on Zencaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites, FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon. Thank you.